It was a time when pro wrestling was a pop culture phenomenon. Talk about your songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Pay-per-view quality matches live on free TV every Monday night. Monday, July 6th. Back at the battle between WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all along, Austin! This is Reliving the War with Simon Tackler and Nims Azul. You can call this the new world order of wrestling brother welcome everyone to reliving the war live and exclusive on the gray wolf entertainment network it is the podcast where we relive the monday night wars it does what it says in the tin we've had a little bit of a hiatus a lot going on but we are back with a vengeance as always my name is nims Azor. joining me is my tag team partner simon tackler and simon we're in WrestleMania season. We've digested WrestleMania 39. That's done and dusted. And now we're delving away from 2023 and back into 1999. Mm. And we're up to one of the weirdest WrestleManias of all time, the Raging Climax, as it uh, <laughs> is, uh, you know, also known. This is Russo-mania. This is the WrestleMania that Vince Russo booked. It's the peak of Crash TV. It's the peak of his powers. This is where, if WrestleMania X7 is the peak of the Attitude Era, WrestleMania 15 is the peak of the Russo Era. So, as always, for these milestone pay-per-views, we like to dial in our good buddy, Owen, who doesn't relive the war. He lives it for the first time. And, Owen, welcome. First off, as we always do, where were you back in 1999? Take us back to March 99. Hello, my friends. Um, March 99. I March 28th, 1999 to be exact. I was three years and six months and 20, I don't know, 19 days old. Um, so I probably would have been watching Power Rangers or something. Most likely. I would have been watching like Power Rangers Turbo because that's what I did between the ages of <laughs> three and 28. <laughs> um, yeah, I was a little dude running around. Uh, this we are, we are six months away from a leg break. We're oh, close. Oh. We're very close. Don't jump off slides, friends. That's how you break your leg when you're four <laughs> years old. Or top ten buckles um, if you're thirty or eight years old. And yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but no, this yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, this was I literally just finished watching the show and I sped watch it. Um, and I, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know whether my opinion would change if I didn't um, fast forward through a lot of the talking or if I didn't. So we'll see. Well, let's get straight into it. So WrestleMania 15, the raging climax starts off with yeah. boys to men opening the show with the American national anthem. Uh, and then we get into one of those little intro pieces with Freddie Bassey, uh, with Freddie Blassie. Hold on, I do um, just want to say I watched the Boys to Men performance. This might be one of the best WrestleMania musical performances. Yeah, because Are the crowd surprised? tries booing them at the start, and then they win them over because they're Boys to Men and sound amazing. Yeah, and also uh, America the Beautiful isn't the national anthem, but like. I always wonder why at the start of Mania they sing America the Beautiful 
and not Star Spangled Banner. It's is Vince McMahon. It- Supposedly, Vince just prefers it and thinks it's a better song. Really? Yeah, it's okay. that simple. He likes it more. And I think he's right. It is a better song. Hmm. Should also point out, too, like 1999 Boys to Men, they're still a pretty relatively big deal here as well. They weren't, too. They weren't at the end of the road just yet. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Simon. Well done. Well done. Well <laughs> yeah. played. But I'll yeah, make they're... love to you. And it'll lead like to a raging to. climax. Exactly. There we go. <laughs> it all ties together. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's still, but still a long way away from when they were doing, uh, you know, the soundtrack to Boomerang. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get it to. So Freddie Blassie does one of these little pre-show intros, narrates over some of the stars of '98, '99 WWF. He refers to WrestleMania as the showcase of the Immortals. We are very big fans of these little Freddie Blassie pieces. And Simon, I know that you're like. This you've been an advocate that they need to do more of this stuff now. Yep. Because make, if they could do it back then, like why can't they do it now? Exactly. Make wrestling feel important. Make the history, you know, part of it. I absolutely love this video. Uh, I know we all love WrestleMania 17. That one's also got a real dramatic intro, you know, with people around the world watching WrestleMania mm. on TVs. This one's sort of the precursor to that. I love this video so much. And is this the first time that it's referred to as the showcase of the Immortals? I don't know, but it felt like it might have been because he ends the video on that line and it's fantastic. I reckon it is as well because they don't ram the showcase of the Immortals home to about 58 billion times like they do in uh, years following. Uh, We then get on to the Pyro and Ballyhoo, as Vince Russo used to write it down on Raw scripts back in the day. It's another arena WrestleMania, a very, very minimal set, and you might know it because it's been made famous by the Nintendo 64 game WrestleMania 2000. Um, We start off with a triple threat match. It's Al Snow versus Hardcore Holly versus Billy Gunn for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, No, sorry, the Hardcore hardcore Championship, isn't it? Yeah. My apologies. And um, Billy Gunn gets the full New Age Outlaw entrance with the crowd filling in for Road Dog, which is really, really cool. And uh, yeah, it's this is just an absolute cluster. It starts off like it basically like the Royal Rumble match did between Snow and Hardcore Holly. And you just add Billy Gunn into the mix. And it's chaos. It's absolute chaos from the get go. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I like, I, um, I like to call this, dub this match CTE the musical. Because it was just all cookie trays and chairs and broomsticks, every, everything to the head. It was just all it was was headshots, hockey sticks as well. You know, let's yep. go Flyers chance when they would use the hockey stick here. <laughs> uh, I just want to say on this match, look, it was it's exactly what you'd expect a 1999 hardcore match in the WWE. Mm-hmm. Some of it's fine. It's you know whatever weapon shots and you know. Uh, Al Snow does a few chair jumps and gets some ECW chance because he's, you know, doing some Sabu type stuff. I just want to yeah. talk about Billy Gunn being in this match and not Road Dog. Because even as a kid, I thought it was weird because they, so basically Vince Russo, just for the sake of a swerve, as le- the legend goes, he swapped Road Dog and Billy Gunn in their respective matches. Road oh, really? Dog was in the hardcore division. This was meant to be his match. And Billy Gunn would be in the IC title four-way because that was his storyline for three months. The whole Ryan Shamrock, (laughs) Val Venus, Ken Shamrock, and Goldust thing. But just before, they were like, oh, what if they win the opposite titles than you'd expect or whatever? 
Why would you do that? Billy Gunn said he doesn't like hardcore matches. And, you know, Road Dog does. I don't know. It's weird. It, it's an odd it, it was a It was a really odd fit. But, and it also shows you the the real seedlings of the big 1999 Billy Gunn push that was about <laughs> to happen post-WrestleMania. Because it, only with the benefit of hindsight now do you kind of look back. Because I also did the same thing. It was just like, I just sort of thought like, you know, like, oh, Bill, Road Dog must be injured. So, of course, Billy Gunn's going to step in for him. He's his mate. Like, you know. No, he's in another match. In the match he should be in. It makes <laughs> yeah, no sense. What about um, this might be the first time they refer to Billy Gunn's move as the fame arser? Maybe? I think it is. Cole Hammers sure at home. Is. He's like, oh, he calls that the fame arser. Yeah. yeah. Really cool little ending sequence where a Billy Gunn chair shot to Hardcore Holly. Uh, gives a chair shot to Hardcore Holly and then does an Irish whip to Al Snow into a table. He then gives the famous to Snow, but then gets a chair from Holly who gets the win in one of the most logical endings to a match like hardcore holly really was the smartest of everyone in the hardcore division and we'll see that i can't wait to see that a little bit later on because he actually sort of seemed have you ever watched like a regular hardcore holly match simon and when he fights for the hardcore championship the way he carries it it's like mr perfect with the ic belt (laughs) (laughs) that is the prestige to him to hardcore holly i will say hardcore holly looked so jacked in this period of time. He looked ridiculous in this match. Uh, that was the he only thing that's... Puffy. He looked very puffy. Um, mm. It's so weird how long he hung around for in the WWE. Including a, uh, a world title match against Brock Lesnar later on too, which is very, very odd when you think about that. Uh, next up, we've got a tag team match. It is D'Lo Brown with Ivory and up again, with teaming up with Test versus Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart. Now, Test being a bodyguard for Motley Crue comes up a hell of a lot, and he's got the, one of the most interesting shirts you'll ever <laughs> see on a WWF pay-per-view. And the, the, my first note about Test is, 1999 Test was real Aldi Kevin Nash. <laughs> <laughs> big, uh, like, kind of big, okay-looking. You know, he's not exactly big sexy here. But the T-shirt, <laughs> Guns Don't Kill People, I Kill People, is the most 1999 T-shirt you could wear. Like, yeah. you know they were selling that at the markets and all the edgy kids would want that. It reminds me of a uh, a shirt that was also doing the rounds back in the day. Uh, and it happened. this happened a bit later on in the year where there was a T-shirt that just had, like, it was like a, a band T-shirt, as in, like, a music band. It was just, like, you know, like the School Shootings Tour 99. And on the back, it had, like, every school shoot. Like, this is just the era that it was. <laughs> like, you'd see someone wear that and be like, wow. first off, where did you buy that? And secondly, yeah. wow. <laughs> I mean, if they tried to do that today, they'd need to get, like, six shirts to cover one month. Oh, it'd, it'd, be, like a, it'd be like a Kiss anniversary tour. <laughs> Um, we shouldn't laugh about that. Um, um but Tess this, would be laughing. He would be. Um, this was a very interesting like you see these four names on a sheet of paper, and it's like, I don't think these people tagged together, but they definitely did. Mm. <laughs> like it was definitely one of those matches, but the match didn't suck. It it's it, it was surprisingly good, yeah. It was yeah. serviceable. I was going to say the same thing. Like, you've got D'Lo, Jeff Jarrett, and Owen in there. You kind of can't go wrong in terms of those guys being in a match together. All of their chemistry was good. Tess, even though he's uh, pretty green here, Tess was always a good athlete. 
when he's in there with someone who can go, it always looks fine. And this match was fine. But for a tag team title match at WrestleMania, like this isn't it. You've basically told us Test and D'Lo were thrown together on heat. The whole thing is dumb. Um, and yeah, yeah, honestly, not a great start to WrestleMania. Yeah, no. I was a bit flat. Because I've actually never watched this match. I should have said this at the start of the show. I've never watched this Mania in full before. Wow. Mm. So well, this and- is one of the most this is probably one of the most rewatched manias for me because it this was like, you know, peak nineteen ninety-nine yeah. um um attitude era. And I I'm pretty curious, Simon, were you ever on board? The test should be a main event, a push that was the Kool-Aid that was being passed around in 1999. Oh, absolutely. I was a big fan of test, even into like 2000 and 2001. I'm like, this guy's good. Mm. He's big. He's tall. He's got blonde hair. He looks like a main eventer. Does power bombs and big boots. Like, you know, I, thought, I always what... thought he was all right. He wasn't best on the mic, but yeah, it always felt like it should have gone somewhere. We all know where it stopped going somewhere, and that's the wedding angle with Triple H, and it See, never that's, he never got his revenge. The storyline never played out right. That's why I thought, like when he when Triple H married Stephanie, that's the part that's going to make him a megastar. But yeah, nope, yeah, didn't, uh, didn't happen. Just Triple H. Can I just say, interesting stat here, bit of a sad one. Owen Hart's tenth and final WrestleMania mm. this match. Um, kind of weird to think that he was in 10 WrestleManias and, you know, cause he was there like before he came back as proper Owen Hart, he was a blue blazer mm-hmm. early on, but he, he kind of only ever had one classic match at WrestleMania, the one with Brett at WrestleMania 10, every yeah, other yeah. match, he was just thrown in and they're like, Hey, Owen, can you just kind of fill some time? He had a good one yeah. at 14 with triple H, but it's not like, you know, an all time classic or anything. And it's not one that people remember. Like no. when you talk about when you talk about the ten mania appearances, people will probably even forget this one. Oh, Actually, absolutely. No, they, they, if it wasn't the fact that it was his last mania, people would forget this one. I didn't even uh, know it was his last mania really until they, you know, until I thought about it. Yeah, it's it's only when you sort of put the timeline together that you realize, yeah. oh damn, yeah. Uh, I should also point out that. Uh, as always, even though it is his tenth mania, Owens Enziguri still the best in the business, and Owens missile drop kit. Still the best in the business, mm. and I would like uh, to say that, like that that statement still rings true today. Like his mm. like his step up in Zaguri and his um yeah his missile drop kick is still no one beats it. Mm. He's still the best. He's still the best. At it. Uh, WrestleMania just amps up a notch here because he got a butt gun video package. <laughs> Isaac Hayes is also in the crowd as well. Uh, Can I just well, posse? we need to talk about this? This video package is so funny in hindsight, though, because <laughs> it's all about Bart Gun and it's all of his trainers and team, and they're all like, "Yeah, Bart Gun, he's got knockout power. You know, this is going to go two rounds, knockout for Bart Gun." Bart Gunn's got this in the bag. It's like, <laughs> oh, you guys don't know what's about to happen. And also, Isaac Hayes, as uh, Jerry Lawler points out, he's Memphis homie. So uh, Isaac <laughs> Hayes and the king must be friends. Because oh, so, obviously Isaac Hayes being chef from South Park. Yeah. Big sidebar. So Nims would pop for this. Most nights when I'm by myself, because my partner works nights, I just go on YouTube and watch games of AFL football from 1999 or 2000 because that's just what I do. 
Um, and I was watching a game of Sydney Swans versus North Melbourne from 2000 last, the other night, and someone in the crowd in the Sydney Swans cheer squad had a South Park sign going North Melbourne, you bastards. Like, <laughs> so now I now I actually realize like the pull that South Park had on the world in the late 90s, early thousands. Well, I I got a question for you, Simon. Back in '99, did you own the Chef Aid CD? I had Chef Aid. I had one of the famous plushies. <laughs> I had the Cartman talking watch. I had the mm. shitty video game on PlayStation or whatever. And yeah, no, I had all the South Park stuff. Like it was, had, it was insane. Which, which shirt did you have? Did you have the all of uh, Cartman? It's all a bunch of tree hugging hippie crap, or the oh. Kenny? Oh my God, they killed Kenny. Sorry, was, uh, the, the the Stan one. Yeah, no, no, the Cartman one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I, I had the Cartman one too, purely because it had crap on the title. Yeah, and what oh. about trying to go see the movie? Because, you know, when did it come out? I think it was 1999. Mm. And, you know, to get into that, it was R-rated. It was an R-rated movie. And Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, I had to go with my cousins who were over 18 at the time, and it just blew our minds. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, between that... Between that and uh, American Pie coming out, that ought to let you know just exactly how bonkers 1999 was. <laughs> um, Howard Finkel then introduces some boxing people. I've literally written in my notes, some boxing people and Gorilla Monsoon. <laughs> the boxing uh, yeah. dudes get booed out of the building, but Gorilla Monsoon gets a massive ovation. And also, unfortunately, it's Gorilla Monsoon's last WrestleMania appearance. And I think, I believe it's his last on-camera appearance for the WWE uh, yeah, it would be. Yeah, yeah, and he didn't look in the best of shape here. Uh, he would pass away from cancer not too long after. But yeah, nice that he got that great ovation one more time. Yeah, one last one there. Um, then we get to the brawl for all. It is Butterbean versus Butt Gun. I was actually talking yeah. about this with with a uh, couple of friends at work um, just the other day, and one of them mentioned, "Is that the same Butterbean that knocked out Johnny Knoxville in the Jackass <laughs> movie?" And I'm like. <laughs> The very same. What a list of opponents he's got, Bart Gunn and Johnny Knoxville. (laughs) What about Bart's nickname? And I never knew this. I never really, you know, paid attention. He's uh, announced as Bart the Hammer Gun. His last name is Gun. Why not Mm. Machine Gun? Or or Shot. Shot Gun. (laughs) Mm. There's no (laughs) such thing as a Hammer Gun. Hammer Gun. That's why he's so unique. Or it also provides you a very interesting way of uh, he chooses to defend his family just for that. <laughs> I mean, after, um, after this match, they should have called him Bart Gun. <laughs> so Bart Gun comes out like a lamb to the slaughter. Meanwhile, Butterbean is just absolutely punching the crap out of him before he flat out just KOs him. It's done and dusted. And oh, and do you know the backstory to why Butterbean was brought out to just basically shoot knockout butt gun no no so i i have watched the brawl for all dark side of the ring mm. but i can't remember why so basically they wanted they wanted dr death steve williams to be the big winner of brawl for all but uh butt gun was the one that ended up you know embarrassing him essentially so because of that because he was legitimately tougher than um then Dr. Steve Williams, they're just like, right, well, we're just going to get him, get Butterbean to kick the shit out of him. Simple as that. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's so weird. Can I just say, like, the knockout itself, though, 
is absolutely devastating and the slow motion replays are phenomenal Mm. mark gun's head wobbling it looks like it's about to spin off his (laughs) neck like it is insane yeah it's it 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 literally looks like all the classic tyson ali holyfield knockouts like it's just punch stiff body (laughs) tree falling over like it's just yeah. insane to see that especially on like a wrestling show <laughs> here's what i want to say and like i don't i've never thought about it like this but people hated the brawl for all and the crowd would have hated this if it went long so let's say it went long and it was a good boxing match and it was close and whatever people would have hated it is it yeah. better that it ended like this because you hear the crowd really react even to every replay of the ko like it's memorable, at least. It's a WrestleMania moment, for better or worse. Yeah, yeah the, the 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 pop the crowd give when he got knocked out was just a massive roar. Yeah, and it, shock. I I don't know how big Butterbean was back in 1999, but like him, actually, like it, it, he was one of it, this is basically the first celebrity match that we've had. Oh, sorry, if we ignore. LT versus uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, but this is like one of the first like Floyd Mayweather slot style big show matches here, um, like a marquee match because this was promoted fairly heavily. The brawl for all final, you know, yeah, um, it didn't go anywhere for Bart Gunn. No, no, unfortunately for him, and uh, our commiserations to him with the <laughs> post effects of CTE here. Uh, one of the reoccurring themes of 1999 WWE. But uh, next up. The San Diego chicken comes out and gets knocked down by Vinny. Shenanigans ensue. And uh, then we cross over to the big show on Heat, where he attacks mankind as he's in the back waiting for Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, th- this part I thought was actually genius. Like, from the straight out the gate, the big show is just a big, dumb idiot. <laughs> I was thinking that. The booking between St. Valentine's Day Massacre... That brawl backstage where he didn't realize Steve Austin was there. And then the way this match unfolds. What an insane debut the Big Show had. His first month. And, you know, the the legend goes that Vince McMahon was like, WCW don't know how to book a giant. I do. Come to WWE and I'm going to make you the next Andre. I'm going to make you a star. His first month, he couldn't look more like a dumbass. And, you know. (laughs) Yeah. And, yeah. I lo- and I love that the joke with Big Show is that he always turns heel and face. I completely forgot that within his first month, he goes from <laughs> heel to face. It's built yeah. into the legend of the Big Show. And to add to the fact of him being, of him looking like a dumbass, he looks like a dumbass. Like he actually just <laughs> physically looks like a dumbass. Like he has that long ponytail tied down really low, like all the nerds have their hair tied up. Mm. And then he over-tanned because when he was in WCW, he never tanned. Mm. But then in the Fed, he's looks he tries to look like Hogan and has a really leathery, crappy tan, and he looks like an absolute moron. And he's got his high-waisted trunks on. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, the big underpants. It's not, not yeah. a good look. So we get to the match. There's a quick interview with Mankind, but there's a really weird VO to introduce the Big Show that was on the uh, on the binge stream. But um, Big Show, I reckon, is doing his absolute best to try and not look like the Giant. Like that's, I reckon that was pretty much the instructions out the gate. Don't look like you did in WCW. But um, he dominates early, and Mankind gets Socko on the Big Show, but Show fights out. There's a hell of a bump as Show falls backwards on Mankind. Um, it's 
Mankind is just absolutely like 1999. He's the MVP of trying to make people look good, isn't he? Yeah, look, I'll give Mick Foley credit. He tries here. It's not a bad brawl. Honestly, it's not the worst. It's all about that spot, though, when Mick Foley is on the Big Show's back and Big Show sort of pancakes backwards. You know, I remember seeing it as a kid and being amazed. Even now watching it, I'm like, okay, I can kind of see Big Show just slightly pulls his weight. But either way, that looked like it hurt so goddamn much. Yeah. It's the the funny thing too is like what I love about this match is that Mick Foley just 1998, 1999 Mick Foley doesn't care about himself. It seems like he just really does not give any cause to bring it tomorrow to him because he absolutely gets the crap beaten out of him. Uh, Mankind does win though after the show gets DQ'd by throwing him through uh, some chairs. Vince then comes out to berate show who goes for a choke slam on Vince to a massive pop. So there's the borderline face turn. And then Vince berates him some more and then gets absolutely flattened. So there's the face turn. Yeah. And <laughs> a huge reaction for it too. But again, yeah. Big Show is there because the winner of this match would be the referee for the main event. And, you know, obviously Big Show is Vince McMahon's henchman. So Big Show for the heels would be the referee and it'll screw Austin. Big Show gets himself disqualified by bringing the chairs in and using them. He is such an idiot because it's just like last month where he threw Austin through the cage and Austin won the title shot to go to Mania. All of this is Big Show's fault. Mm. It's it's, (laughs) it's insane. It is insane. But like, you know, it panned out for him because within uh, literally within a calendar year, he's the WWF champion later on. So one of the all time worst title reigns of all time. But we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, At at the pay-per-view where, you know how Cody Rhodes should have won at Mania? The Rock should have won at Survivor Series 99. I will go to my grave fighting that one. Mm. But um. Uh, next up, it is Vince backstage, and I love it because he's like, somebody get get me a mobile phone. <laughs> <laughs> next up, it is Road Dog, the Intercontinental Champion. Yep, that's right. Versus <laughs> Val Venus. Now, Road Dog with a promo, and Val comes out but says that the belt, this is one belt that won't keep his pants up. <laughs> I, I love that Val Venus <laughs> lives the gimmick full stop. Uh, then out comes Goldust with Blue Meanie and Ryan Shamrock mm-hmm, versus Ken Shamrock to make it a fatal four-way. It's a four corners match, actually. Do they? Um, they so it is not a fatal four-way. Not, first pin doesn't get the win. You're right. It's, it's basically- elimination. It's a four-corner yeah. elimination match. Yeah. Uh, and they even state Road Dog, the only man with no history with Ryan Shamrock in this match. Well, it's because Billy Gunn had the history with Ryan Shamrock. <laughs> you take him out of the match. Anyway. Uh, so, like, I, I just said, um, four-corners match, Road Dog and Shamrock start things off. This match is kind of like if you had a multi-tap on your PS1 and had four players playing WWF Attitude. And everyone press square on the player select. Yep. <laughs> press yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I do want to say, great bit of commentary, though. Michael Cole mentions the uh, anniversary of the Intercontinental title, and then he says, of course, Pat Patterson won it all those years ago in Rio. And, you know, <laughs> Jerry Lawler says, oh, it was a very steamy night in Rio. It all makes <laughs> sense now because it's all a joke. It's a made-up. There was no tournament. They picked Rio because... 
Pat Patterson is gay, and the whole thing is just a joke. It's so a weird. Giant that, rib. It's so it's weird that the history rib. of this, yeah, prestigious title is a joke. But yeah. I love, I love that everyone is in on the joke. Like <laughs> yeah, everyone, <laughs> everyone has fully committed to the. Oh yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It was uh, to the point where I think there was a WWE article where they talked <laughs> WWE.com article back. Remember, it was like the prestigious yeah. history of the tournament where, like, and it's so tongue in cheek. Like Pat Patterson went through. 12 other men oh, man One yeah it all life. makes sense now and patterson even in this era when he would wear like he'd have a t-shirt sometimes when he'd have a match and it was like you know patterson first ic champ rio de janeiro like Regenera. all of them were in on the it's so dumb <laughs> that was also the era and to compliment it um gerald briscoe just had a briscoe brothers body shop yeah. t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> Also made famous in WrestleMania 2000. But yeah, this match isn't... Look, it's not bad. It's just a match that's not that memorable. Mm. Yeah, um, Shamrock and Val, like, it's an elimination match and two guys get eliminated at once. So half of the match is eliminated by a countout. And mm. then the match ends, like, two minutes later with Road Dog pinning Goldust. All of the action in this match is fine. This is four guys who, again, the mid-card of the WWE... These guys are good wrestlers. They're just in a yep. match that is kind of pointless. It really is. So Val Venus, the reason that they both get counted out is because Val Venus and Shamrock, they brawl towards the entranceway. Because of that, they both get counted out. Now, Ryan Shamrock is with Goldust here at the time. Um, Goldust goes for an Irish whip, but gets reversed. No, Shamrock goes mm. for an Irish whip. It gets reversed. Ryan Shamrock grabs the leg of Shamrock. Uh, is it Shamrock? What am I, what am I going on? I've I've lost. I've... No, that's it. Ryan Shamrock tries to grab Road Dog because I've just written Shamrock in my notes. I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> too much Shamrock, <laughs> too much Shamrock. Um, so Ryan Shamrock is the one that's trying to grab Road Dog's leg, but gets Goldust instead. Goldust cracks it, and then next thing you know, he gets the win. Um, sorry, Road Dog gets the win, retains the Intercontinental Title, and we can all go home happy as the Blue Meanie then tries to like prove to Goldust. That like you know you should stick with me and not this stupid floozy. Yeah, such a weird story. It's all <laughs> dumb. The match is fine, but the whole angle is dumb and it's hard to care about. Fantastic ending though. I've never seen it before. Goldust goes for his you know snap power slam, and Road yeah. Dog rolls through it into a a small package. Mm. Yeah, awesome. Great ending, cool. and the crowd pops. You know, yeah. Again, wrestling is fine, but these four guys could have been doing something better. Yeah, and something that was just a little bit more memorable. This is basically, it, it's like, do you remember at WrestleMania 18, the four corners, uh, the four-way elimination tag match where it was like Billy and Chuck versus like- APA, um, Hardys. Yeah, and it was just like, a, like, all of these guys are good. It's just, I don't really care about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we get a little cutscene of Big Show getting arrested, which then leads us to Kane versus Triple H. Now, Kane- makes his big old grand entrance. But then Pete Rose comes out and attacks Kane during his entrance, dressed as the San Diego chicken. He gets a tombstone for his troubles. And this basically was a continuation of the WrestleMania 14 little, uh, you want to say feud? The recurring yeah. gag. The One recurring the gag. Weirdest running gags in wrestling history. 14, 15, and WrestleMania 2000, this would run through. Um <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny. It's weird. Very strange. But, I don't know what uh, to say about it. 
Yeah, it no. is what it is. Because it's not like it's it's not like like Pete Rose wasn't like a super duper star either. It was just like people knew him, but it's just like it's Pete Rose. Yeah. yeah. Um big fan of the booking uh, of the bookies, sorry, uh, <laughs> yeah. our old mate Pete Rose. But um <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so as I said, yeah, he gets a tombstone for his trouble. Then Triple H ambushes Kane from the crowd. Uh Kane throws Triple H into the Main Street posse, and then next, you know, it's one of those it's a back and forth match, and Kane Kane and um Triple H great chemistry together. This was like a great B feud. Like Kane was involved in some great B feuds back during that era. Mm. Mm, look, if you want to say they had great chemistry, that's fine. No, they did. It, it's not a bad match to me. This just felt like a TV match. It's a story the, match, yeah. Yeah, and the yeah. crowd wasn't fully into it, which is weird because he had a clear-cut heel and face and, you know, DX was so over. There's even one point where Michael Cole is like, the crowd can sense that Triple H is feeling the adrenaline. The crowd were dead silent when he said mm. that. Yeah. Um, Michael Cole, this was the point where his commentary started to stand out. He sounded like a video game commentary track. Yeah. Everything yeah. just felt like a line that was fed to him or something. It was weird because he's been better. Segmented and, he and better. like fragmented. Yeah, everything felt segmented. Like he was like, and here's the line I say. Now I'll yeah. say this. Yeah, it got a it was pretty weird, especially in this match. But it's not quite the level of SmackDown just bring it uh <laughs> in terms of bad commentary. With Rhino the, what a devast is an animal. <laughs> that was a devastating the rock bottom. <laughs> <laughs> so it's tonight. And then they just pause, like, what's tonight? Anyway. <laughs> um China then comes out mid-match and we get like a borderline le- like this is sort of like the difference between um WWE and WCW. Like if China came out in WCW, because the whole storyline is like she's got a thing with Kane, like you know, they've developed a bond and bloody 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 blah. That would I reckon WCW would really try to foreshadow that she's gonna join back with Triple H. Whereas mm. this one they kind of just let it play out. Do you reckon that that's the case? Yeah, maybe, because commentary would sometimes sort of give away too much or, yeah, they'd over-explain things in WCW. We should say, so, you know, yeah, Triple H is in DX. China had left DX at this point. She's with the corporation. Kane's in the corporation. So China comes out here, and then China turns on Kane. And, you know, they kind of... I thought they did a good job in a way because they made it seem like... DX is back. China has rejoined DX. Um, I do want to say it was kind of a weird thing, though, because they bring in stairs near the end of the match, and there's no DQ, whereas in the Big Show match, he brought in chairs, and it was a DQ. Consistency in the officiating is what I want. And speaking of that, China then takes out Kane to get the DQ, and she's got a hell of a chair shot to the head as well. China reunites with Triple H, and DX is back together, Back where she belongs, as Michael Cole said. So there's a nice... (laughs) He said about 58 billion times. Cole also said, back where she belongs, and how fitting in the city of brotherly love. And I was like, (laughs) King's going to jump on that line. And he didn't. He didn't. I honestly thought he was going to say something horrible there. He was saving all of his manly women (laughs) jokes for when Nicole Bass debuts later. (laughs) 
Uh, so yeah, China reunited with Triple H. DX is back together. We then get to a little backstage segment with Kevin Kelly and Vince. He says that he's going to be the referee in the main event, and that leads us to Sable versus Tori. Sable cuts a promo. I should point out too that Sable's heel now as well. Like she's a heel. Yeah, Sable is in. She- do you want to see the grind era? Yeah, it's hard to tell if she's a heel because the crowd still cheers her. Her yeah, promo a- is just as canned as Michael Cole's commentary, I thought. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was bad. It was really funny because I was watching this and um, and uh, uh, Rosie got home from work and then, like, Sable's music hits and the crowd just jump up literally, like, within seconds. And Rosie was like, oh, you know, it's really impressive that, like, that, you know, wrestling fans know music straight away. I'm like... Yeah, and it's Sable. <laughs> it's like, Sable. Of course, all these sweaty dudes are going to jump out of their seats. This Sable. is um going back to Sable's promo. Do you remember Simon at the start of like Warzone and um and WWF Attitude before the match starts? You'd have like a little like they'd cut the promo doing that kind of doing that little motion. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's what this promo felt like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> For the women who want to be me and the men who come to see me. It's so bad. Uh, this is a pretty pedestrian match, too. Mm. Actually, should we should we explain who Tori is here as well? Because, sure. like, the whole thing, the whole storyline, this the fact that this is a WrestleMania match is so weird. Because, so, Tori is, all, is portrayed as a, a fan, a fan of Sable that was a big fan of Sable, but Sable, you know, like, basically turned her down you know the story between trish and victor and um, mickey james wasn't it also yeah, yeah. the story with trish and victoria though yeah yeah so yeah they've done this multiple times except uh-huh. they've done it better multiple like in the t- this, yeah. this is this is clearly the the beta version of that storyline where they haven't quite not nailed all the bugs because people give absolutely zero care for tory um they just care about sable and it's a crap match simple as that mm. Tori had oh, come in with hype, though. She was meant to be like, you know, another real wrestler, kind of like Jacqueline or Luna. And Ivory, you know, she had experience from Japan, and it was like, well, Tori's going to carry Sable to a good match. Tori rocks up dressed like the daughter of Giant Gonzalez in a <laughs> spray-painted bodysuit. She looks ridiculous. She looks like she should have been in, in, in the, um, the ill-fated 2020 movie release of Cats. Oh mm. yeah, it yeah, did have yeah. a cat's vibe too. And it was terrible. Her costume made her like no man in 1999. I'm sorry, that's just how 1999 was. No one in this crowd was gonna cheer Tory over Sable. Correct. You know what I mean? Regardless of who's heel or face. And Jerry Lawler talking about costumes. At the start of the match, the camera is on Sable's back. And Lawler, there's no wordplay, no pun, no joke. He just goes, wow, look at those cheeks. I was like, damn, you're not even trying. <laughs> like, Usually you dress it up in something clever, but anyway. Um, as I said, it's a pretty pedestrian match, but the big, big uh, takeaway from this is that Nicole Bass makes a debut and Sable gets the win. Nicole Bass is an interesting... Um, is an interesting sort of signing there. Remember the big thing is like, remember, have you seen her on Howard Stern? She was on Howard Stern. Remember Howard Stern? That is clearly no. just Vince Russo telling them to do that. Yeah. Yeah. No one cares um, about Howard Stern. Like they do, but like not to the point where 
you know, worldwide audience knows who the hell one Nicole guest Bassett. of a radio show is. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't like Hugh Grant popped up on screen, but uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, it's a pretty pedestrian match, uh, very skippable. In fact, if you, I reckon, if you went to the fridge and uh, poured yourself a drink, by the time you walked back, this match would be over. Yeah. Oh, um, full full disclosure. <laughs> after the entrances, I walked to the corner store, got some <laughs> soft drinks, and walked back. And the match was, and the match had just finished. Mm. So yes. I actually didn't even watch this match. Rosie did, and she said nothing happened. So I'll take her word for it. You mm. missed a bunch of botches, though. And what's hilarious during the botches, canned commentary Cole says Sable is now a tremendous in-ring performer while she's falling over. It's great. <laughs> it's so so odd but um so yeah that moves we move on to our next little segment which then is an all-in dx promo with triple h saying that dx is whole again we get a um uh, a recap of probably one of the underrated i reckon this is an underrated feud in um in 1999 shane mcmahon and x park I don't care what anyone says. I reckon it was a good feud. It was a very good feud. And up to this point, absolutely the match of the night so far. Uh, X-Puck, one of the best in-ring performers of the era. I think we've said it almost every pay-per-view he's on. He kills it. Uh, mm-hmm. Look, his promos at the time were hit and miss. His ending line for this one was, Shane, get ready for some pain, which, you know, <laughs> could have done a, a retake on that one. But anyway, the match... Is very good. Shane McMahon, he's you know, he's got the jerseys here. Like it's all coming together for Shane O'Mac. Soon he'd have the the music and you know the punches and everything else. What's funny though, just to think of WrestleMania 39, which we just watched a few weeks ago. <laughs> Shane McMahon yeah. did a leapfrog and that's all he could do, and he would just, you know, tear his quad. First Jerry's move quad. Shane does here at WrestleMania 15, an absolute perfect leapfrog. And yeah. Yeah. How times change. Uh, let's rewind quickly because, like, I love that the Stooges take out X Park at the entrance, <laughs> but, but X Park fights them off like they're Scooby Doo villains. He just absolutely destroys them. It's good. And also, <laughs> we got to say, Test is uh, managing Shane here. Yes. He accompanies mm-hmm, yeah. him to the ring. And Test is wearing jeans with a belt, but also a weightlifting belt on top of his belt. <laughs> so I've never seen someone wear two belts before. It's a exhibit a belt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, dog, I heard you like your belt, so put a belt on your belt <laughs> yeah. to give you another belt. Uh, we should also should point out, too, X-Park is in his classic DX X-Park gear. Like, this is like the definitive DX X-Park. And the um, definitive Shane... foreshadowing, too. Mm. <laughs> um, Shane whips uh, X-Park like, like a government mule, takes him back the, behind the woodshed with the weightlifting belt. Uh, X-Puck fights off the Mean Street posse in the front row to get a massive pop and some hilarious commentary from Jerry the King Lawler when he gets thrown into the front. Like, this is when the King stands above all, where it's just like, what, you come to WrestleMania to get a front row ticket to be beaten up by (laughs) X-Puck? Yeah, this Um, this was a great match with everything. The commentary was good, the wrestling was good, the story was good, the interference, the Mean Street posse. This was a fun match. And I know there's been like a lot of you know, turns on this show and interference and blah, blah, blah. But this is the match where it all really worked because people yeah. cared about the story. And the yep. match was fun. Shane was there for everything and Xbox awesome. Can, um, can I just say, uh, Wikipedia, which, you know, 
in high school your teacher said Wikipedia, never trust Wikipedia. It's always it's always fake. Sums up X Pac's um match in one sentence. Because on the Wikipedia page of this pay view, it's got a picture of X Pac, and the caption for the picture of X Pac reads. X Park suffered at the hands of a myriad of run-ins in his match. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there really is no lie there. <laughs> uh, it's actually quite amusing. What do you think about that? <laughs> um, so then, Test uh, gets a belt shot to X Park. X Park gets a kick out at two. Test then gets taken out by Triple H, who comes out to save his DX buddy. But Hunter betrays X Park uh, mm. with a pedigree and turns heel. Uh, betraying D-Generation X, much to the shock of Michael Cole, who does his best to sell it like Tony Schiavone does when um, when Hulk Hogan joins the NWO. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that big, but Michael Cole tries giving it some importance. Uh, you know, the Weasley Shane McMahon wins here. He beats X-Pac. Uh, China and Triple H are now both part of the corporation here. I was trying to think about this in hindsight. It all works for Triple H because becoming that heel is what leads to his main event run later in the year. He becomes champion. He becomes the game, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's off to the races. Mm -hmm. But DX reunites by October. It's really weird. They're not apart for long. They reunite Mm -hmm. as heels come October. It does feel, I don't know why, maybe it's because, but it did feel like they were split up, like DX was just, because remember, Billy Gunn then leaves DX. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's just Road Dog and um, X-Pac doing the bidding because they just don't even change their gimmicks. They look exactly the same as they do. Yeah. And then, you know, there's that bit, that brief flirtatious where Kane, you know, does his suck it, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Which is amazing. The so- Kane and X-Pac storyline, I'm really keen to watch again. Hmm. But, but, but um, you get, hmm. sorry, you go, Nims. No, I was just going to say, like, it felt like DX was gone for so long, and then when they reunited as heels uh, later on in the year, it was like, oh my god, this is fantastic. When you're right, it's not really that long. It's not. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Can, yeah, can I just say the best part of this whole like post match uh, run in was the fact that Billy Gunn. Almost exited the ring. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it was the single greatest slide I've ever seen in prof- in all my twenty years of watching professional wrestling. I've never seen a man almost slide under the bottom rope on one side of the ring and almost fly out the other. He, it was it was incredible. It was my highlight of my WrestleMania fifteen viewing experience. I don't know what it was. It was a mixture of the body oil on his upper body because he was shirtless and the shiny <laughs> Adidas like, track I was going to say, he's wearing, yeah. they, 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 they weren't the cotton ones. They were the shiny yeah. Adidas ones. <laughs> the shiny ones. It was yeah. almost My brother Adidas. slid like a snake. <laughs> he, he's just like uh, wearing nothing but MC Hammer uh, parachute pants there. But um, uh, the lights go out and it's Kane to the rescue, except because he does the full Kane entrance, uh, all the heels decide to just, all right, well, we're going to leg it while you walk Which, up the entrance way. Yeah. I actually appreciate that bit of logic there. Instead of just like being, oh, no, we're frozen in shock and we'll wait for your whole entrance. They were like, all right, cool. We'll just leave now. You won't make it in time. (laughs) It was a fun post-match angle, but it like the match was really good. But then when you add on all the stuff after it, it doesn't feel like a pay-per-view, let alone WrestleMania. It makes it feel like just an episode of Raw, you know, with run-ins and turns and all this. It's weird. 
Very much so. Um, so next up is the ministry versus corporation backstory, the like the little video that sort of shows off the feud that had the Undertaker basically torment Vince McMahon. And here's a fun fact for you, because we were on a slight delay when it comes to WWF superstars. The one of the big reveals was um Undertaker burning the teddy bear. And one of the first ever times I went on the WWF AF- AOL chat. Do you remember that on WWF.com? Back in the day, Simon? Mm, in primary school, we would sometimes yeah. go on it. Yeah. Yeah. So I went on there and one of the, the first thing I asked was like, hey, what's the deal with the bear? Like, what's going on there? And they were just like, oh, it belongs to Stephanie. And I was like, who's Stephanie? It's like, Stephanie is Vince's daughter. And it's like, oh. So that was one of the big, it was actually quite a, a huge hook back in the day. Yeah. Oh, look, that scene, like the video package they have for the Hell in a Cell where it recaps the Vince and Undertaker feud, the video is really good. Uh, that scene where Taker is burning the bear in front of a crying Vince is an amazing shot. And then that episode where they go to the house and Shane and Vince are panicking, it's really good. That's all good stuff. It's just confusing, though, because Vince McMahon is feuding with the Undertaker, who's a heel, and he's feuding with Austin, who's a face. And look, we yeah. know where this is all going, and it was, you know, him all along, spoiler. But yeah, it's just weird that Vince was in these two feuds at the same time. Especially since the guy that's there to sort of defend his daughter's honor. Well, actually, we still don't know about Stephanie yet, because no. it hasn't been revealed until post-mania. But the person to defend the good name of Vince McMahon is the boss man, who is the biggest chicken shit heel yeah. in the WWE at the time. So now um, you've got two heels in a Hell in a Cell match and the crowd absolutely doesn't want to cheer either one of them. Yeah. The first thing I the first note I wrote down about the boss man versus Undertaker Hell in a Cell is that crispy M&Ms are the pinnacle of M&Ms and that is something that I'm that's a hill I choose to die on. No. <laughs> that's the I'm, worst M&M. No, I I'm, I'm with Mate. you there Nimsy. Thank you very much, Owen. Yeah. I destroy. I destroyed a bag of crispy M and M's halfway between Benalla and Wodonga on my train trip on Saturday night. Those yeah. brothers took no chance. They're f- they're fantastically underrated. There, they like- are in- ex- exquisite. But getting back to the match here, uh, so Undertaker gets busted open early, not to Moxlikes levels, but he still gets busted open early. I've just written down here that Paul Bearer has got some absolute prime just for men work in his hair <laughs> during this match. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is pretty great that Paul Bearer went back to having black hair when he joined the ministry. Because <laughs> remember, the whole thing was he got burnt in the face, therefore his hair wasn't black anymore. It was red when he was with Kane. And anyway, yeah. it's back to black. It's all very weird. And take and, and take it being a heel is just he has a cool goatee. Mm. Like, Undertaker's like- hair though in the ministry is so black because you know. Mm. Earlier and later on, he would stop dyeing it. Sometimes he'd let it just go red again. But how black his hair is and how white his skin is, it yeah. creates a real weird contrast with The Undertaker. I know I've mentioned WrestleMania 2000 a lot of times here, but look at him in WrestleMania 2000. He's almost translucent on the character select screen. That's how pale they've made him look. <laughs> him and Michael Jackson were as white as each other with the same hair, you know? Yeah. Which is funny too, because Kane, I guess, must have gone to the Taker school of uh, pastiness, because Kane also is incredibly pasty in this era as well. But mm. this, the, the mere fact that we're talking about this shows just how crappy this match is. We should also point out too. So, so like, oh, and for the record, this is the third ever Hell in a Cell match. Prior yeah, so- to this, pr- so prior to this, you've had 
Sean Michaels. Sean Michaels Taker at Bad Blood '97. Um, Austin, not Austin. Sorry, um, Taker, Taker versus Mankind at King of the Ring '98. And then the third match, the like you know third and f- like in this trilogy is Boss Man versus Undertaker. Mm-hmm. First one at WrestleMania as well, and it yes. sucks. I was gonna say the the crowd. The, I was saying this to Rosie when we were watching it, like like over dinner, like the crowd would pin drop quiet, mm-hmm. yeah, which is absurd for nineteen ninety nine Taker. Yeah, they just couldn't yeah. care less. Could not care. Yeah, Michael yeah, Cole's um, commentary was the only standout for me because first again, because it's all canned. He says the Undertaker has put together the most awesome force, the Ministry. If you've seen who's in the ministry, you would know it's not the most awesome force. <laughs> hey, Viscera. Midian and the APA. <laughs> and the Brood. Don't and the, the brood. brood. Look, the Brood and the APA. It's not bad. But, like, they're, they're not, you know, main event guys. And then he yeah, also but- says, Hell in a Cell is no no ordinary cage. You could get a finger caught in there. And Jerry Lawler just busts up and he's like, what? You can get a finger caught in there? Who cares? Should point out too that like uh, out of this this Hell in a Cell match, so Taker wins with the Tombstone at the end. Then the Brood come down from the ceiling and they break their way into the Hell in a Cell. The match ends with Mankind hanging from the cell, and Michael Cole must be on the cans. Uh, Vince McMahon must be on Michael Cole's cans, just screaming at him. Make sure you say it's symbolic, damn it! It's only a symbol. It's only a symbol. I thought that. Too. I thought it was great. It's like Big Boss Man being hung. What could this mean? Is it a symbol? Yeah, it's a symbol. <laughs> but the yeah. only thing that's the, the, like the the image that's that stood with me from that was when they turn the lights off, the camera flashes, or what was lighting up Boss Man mm. whilst he hung there. That was awesome. Like that's that. Cool. See. That that was more symbolic for me than the symbol. Like, yeah. look, yeah, it's it's a cool visual, like with the brood coming down and you know, like hovering above the cage and boss man getting hanged or whatever. But it's just so dumb because how did the big boss man not die? And and also uh, the the camera probably needed to pan away from the brood a lot quicker because watching the brood reattach their harnesses at the top of the cage. Probably wasn't that uh not spooky. Probably wasn't yeah. And also Edge gets stuck on the way up, which is very funny too. Um, he doesn't <laughs> repel as he should. What I love too about Michael Cole's commentary, oh my god, it's a symbol. What could this be symbolic of? The big boss man. Oh my god. Anyway, WrestleMania rolls on. Check out the rage party last yeah. night. <laughs> absolute sharp turn. It's it's such a thing. Like so, while Bossman is still hung, they throw to a highlights <laughs> package of the WrestleMania rage party. So this is pre-access, and it just looks like a big day out with uh, some of the the most mediocre acts that 1999 <laughs> has to offer, featuring Big Pun, the Cherry Pop and Daddies, and Isaac Hayes. Got to point out though. Big Show wearing FUBU still, like any wrestlers back in that era, wearing FUBU is just great in my eyes. It's funny though, when you see Kevin Nash wear the FUBU, he looks cool. He kind of pulls it off. Big Show in FUBU doesn't look as cool though. No, no, not at all. It just looks like a dude that bought something from a dollar store. (laughs) His (laughs) wife bought it for him because she heard it was cool, you know? (laughs) Wear it to work. Uh, really? No, no, wear it. You you look good. I'm like, "Eh, wear it to work. The rage party. This is what all the kids would wear to a rage party, you know? 
Look, you don't want to embarrass yourself in front of the cherry pop and daddies. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I also love uh, this is one of the one of my favorite uh, Mick Foley puns where he's like, you know, I've got a bit of an injured foot, so you know what they say, limping ain't easy. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> so good. In his book, he tells a great story about that where he says it. You know, he did it at a house show. Where it turned into, you know, limping ain't easy and then shrimping ain't easy because he had like a boat and supposedly like killed everyone. It's good. Mick Foley is very funny, of course. He's very, very good. But yeah, so the WrestleMania Rage Party, uh, before it morphed into Access the next year and became the template of what we see even to this day in terms of WrestleMania celebrations, uh, quite interesting there. But um, uh, Michael Cole then brings out JR to do the main event uh, and Vince comes out to be special guest referee. And he's interrupted by Shawn Michaels' music, and Shawn Michaels is here, WrestleMania 2000 style. Um, and I, I tell you right, you can tell because so WrestleMania 2000 came out like the video game came out in October 1999. When you watch the first half, and the, when you watch the back end of 1998 and the first half of 1999, it is really easy to see why WrestleMania 2000, the video game, is the way that it is. But um. It's it's the first main it's the first um is it the first pay per view appearance of Shawn Michaels as commissioner? No, I feel like he should no no remember he showed up at um oh what was it the December pay per view oh at rock yes. bottom rock and bottom. had that amazing segment suit. even though he was the heel he did the thing with Deborah in the you know the strip match and he was like yep. no and he went to tip her it looked Shawn Michaels even just doing a promo in this era was still fun because that was a great segment, and I thought this was a great segment. Um, he's just being, you know, smart-ass Shawn Michaels to Vince McMahon, talking about the rule book, and he calls him Vin Man, as he always yep. would in this era. <laughs> and also, you're talking about WrestleMania 2000. Shawn Michaels is dressed like it's 1985, and he is <laughs> Don Johnson in Miami Vice. I love the look here. He the is. white suit with the blue T-shirt and the stubble. Shawn Michaels is just killing it. And you know what? Uh, this sort of sh um, was interesting because Shawn Michaels gets a massive ovation here. It's not just the pop on the music. The crowd's into everything he's saying. They're chanting HBK. There's this bullshit narrative, I think, where people are like, oh, Shawn leaving was good because he was never that over in this era. And oh. He wouldn't have been a fit. Bullshit. Every appearance of him as commissioner, the crowd's into it. He's still charismatic. We see HBK signs at every pay-per-view we've watched over the past year. And the crowd yeah. even chanted HBK when uh, X-Pac was getting beat down earlier because there was always hope that, oh, maybe he's going to return in ring. So I don't know. I don't believe that. If he was still in the mix of these main events, how would that be a bad thing? Would have been great. And also, like, Shawn Michaels, which, while we're still talking video games, was always the ultimate unlockable in every single video game he's yeah. the unlockable he's like the, the one that you gotta really really strive for in the smackdown series like until like he was sort of seen as like the boss mode like that's your reward for being really good at this game you get to play as sean michaels yeah so he's still relevant uh up until his return in 2022 Always. and i think what would have been cool what would have been cool because you know, the crowd was starting to turn on him when he was, you know, the white meat baby face because he lost the edge from his previous run. He got yeah. the edge back being a heel in DX. If they brought him back and, you know, because again, everything's attitude now, you know, the language is loosened up. 
Shawn Michaels would have been over as a face here because he would have been able to lean into what he's doing here in this promo mm. and being a bit more out there and whatever. It's kind of nice that he was able to have um, that second run because it really you you it must have been shit for him to go through the entire transition between new gen era and WW, uh, WWF attitude and then not have to celebrate the fruits of the labor. Yeah. He eventually got it, and he celebrated with that Saudi money eventually too. So <laughs> he he got there in the end, which somehow registered an action figure as well, because we all wanted that in our Mattel collection, the bald Shawn Michaels. <laughs> bald Michaels, exactly. So finally, we get to the main event, as as Shawn Michaels has said, um, the Vince can't Vince can't make the call over who gets to be the ref. Only he can. So he sends Vince to the back and bars the corporation from ringside. Uh, the Rock makes the entrance first, uh, which is different because he's the champion still. Um, the crowd goes absolutely mental for Stone Cold Steve Austin, and they both go straight to it, straight off the bat. This is also a no DQ match, we should point out, and uh, it was made official on Sunday Night Heat as it spills in the crowd pretty early. It was only then that I realized, Simon, you know how we always say that Hollywood Hogan has a formula when it comes to his main event matches uh like there's a there's just like he goes in the routine does all the same stuff attitude era rock has the same main event match every single time well you say that but i what i thought was interesting about this match you know this is the rocks like one of the rare main events as champion though because in this title run he hasn't main evented pay-per-views he no, didn't, no, yeah, yeah. yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah. But anyway, yeah, no, awesome, the, yeah, the main event formula of um, The Rock and Austin, yeah, this was kind of it. This is the template, especially this match. Brawling through the crowd, you do something at the tables, you go to the stage, but it works and it's fun and no one did it better than these guys. And thank God for this match because this <laughs> saves them pay-per-view. You got JR on commentary, you got Rock and Austin who are over, they're doing, you know, action. It's exciting. This is the only match that feels like WrestleMania on this show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's had the ultimate build-up to it as well. Like, the story, like, it actually feels... And because they've got that sort of history, too, from their IC title feud, that carries over into it as well. Did you think it was weird that there was no video package for this match, though? And there were video packages for some of the, you know, Butterbean and Bart Gun. That was weird. Mm. Mm. Part of me wonders if it was just like maybe they ran under time because they knew that this was going to be yeah. just an absolute uh, balls to the wall thing. But yeah, you're right. This is just like, this is also to, I reckon, um, Austin, I reckon this is a better main event than Austin versus uh, HBK. Oh, well, yeah. yeah Shawn Michaels with his back in injury and whatnot. That's a good match, but this is a very good match. Like it does, doesn't even go 20 minutes, but it's just all action and it's fun. They do all the silly stuff in the crowd and at the stage and, the, once they get going in the ring, though, like these two have some of the best chemistry when they're starting to, you know, go through the stunners and rock bottoms and people's elbows. It's so yeah. much fun. The near falls, the crowd's losing their mind. JR's losing his mind. Rock takes one of the all-time stunners in this, maybe one of the first one where he, you know, does his <laughs> backflip thing. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Well, I, I was going to say, like, the... The psychology of this match was really impressive to watch because, like, like as you briefly mentioned, like the near falls, Simon, like mm. the near fall, like you know, he did the he did like Stone Cold kicking out of the, out of the rock bottom was like the first person to do it too. 
Yeah, like it was, and like because no one expected it to, because the crowd kind of lulled. Mm. It was like one, two, and then as soon as he kicked out, the crowd lost their goddamn mind. But the kick out wasn't even emphatic either. He just got the shoulder up, so it's still like it's still kind of in like a like a psychology way of it all. He still kind of like showed that you know that is the finish, like that is like his finisher. He beats me with that move, but he ain't beating me today. Mm. Like he just, like, he like, he literally like just shrugged his shoulder to get it up off. The yeah, back. he didn't do a Hulk Hogan I, where like love that. It was really good, and that is a good also, point too. Like Austin giving the Rock that too. Like I'm only barely gonna kick out of your finisher. You know, I'm not gonna just Hulk up here. And yeah, you know, they were seen as equals here. And and the same and the same goes when the Rock kicks out of the Stone Cold Stunner. Like just the look on Austin's face. Like, hang on a second this doesn't happen normally like yeah. it really did amp that as you sort of said Owen like it really like raised the rent because it felt like this is just two people that are desperately desperately digging deep the no DQ comes into a, a great effect too because like Mike Chioda getting absolutely flattened with that chair shot it, it came out of nowhere like it's not you know how like normally you can TNA do this a lot where it's like, okay, we're setting up for a ref bump here. Yeah. But this one actually came, it felt natural. It yeah, genuinely cause... shocked me. And also the fact that like Chieta ate it in the face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was good because The Rock just dragged him in front of him at the last minute. Like it was perfect timing. Mm. Everyone was killing it in this match. The referees, because ev eventually Mick Foley comes out and, you know, gets to fulfill his dream of, you know, being the ref at WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, but it's fun. It all ties in. And then Vince McMahon comes out because I will say, I want to know sort of what happened. I haven't been able to find anything. In Shawn Michaels' promo, he says the corporation is barred from coming out in the main event. But then he kind of catches himself and he's like, except for you, Vince, uh, you can come out, but the corporation's banned. I want to know what the miscommunication was there. Was it a Russo thing and, like, Russo had it like, oh, no, just say the corporation's banned? And was Shawn Michaels like, well, that doesn't make sense. What about Vince? And he's like, oh, just say Vince isn't banned. It, it was it's really weird. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, Vince, Vince Russo, like, while he was able to, like, craft everyone's... Like, you know how, like, the good thing about a Vince Russo written show is everyone top to bottom on the card has got a storyline, but... It's his attention to detail with things like that that Vince kind of uh, that Russo kind of leaves off a little bit. Yeah. Uh, as you sort of said, Vince comes out. He he then puts the boots to Austin, but Mankind comes out and he decks Vince. Uh, another cool little ending, like one of my favorite sequences of WrestleMania 14, is when Austin blocks Sweet Chin Music, flips him, flips uh, uh, HBK around gives him the stunner, and then gets the win. There's a sort of similar one here where Rock dodges the stunner, goes for a rock bottom, then goes for the people's elbow, but then Austin sort of turns the tables on him. Yeah, it's awesome. It is kind of a callback to that. It's a different twist on it. Not enough credit is given to Steve Austin for those kind of endings because that would become a staple of the WWE and then wrestling in general the sort of ending sequence where you trade finishes by not hitting them. Eventually yeah. you'd see Triple H and The Rock do them and Kurt Angle and The Rock do them. And then every time a main eventer would join in because back in the day it was simple, like, oh, I do my taunt and I tombstone you. But yeah, it would become like, oh no, I roll back out of the tombstone, spin you around, go for a stunner, you throw me off. Okay, you know, 
Yeah, hmm. so Steve Austin kind of set the template for the main event type match, and I would say even those finishing sequences. And this is a yep. great one here. Yeah, very much so. Austin then gets the win, and then Vince looks absolutely distraught. What a reaction. It's fantastic, isn't it? <laughs> Unreal, uh, like, facial reaction. Um, yeah, because, you know, it's... And because in the background over his shoulder, you've got, like, JR kind of losing his mind a bit too. Oh, so nice little, like... Yeah, JR is literally... Be because Vince is leaning on the commentary desk. JR's losing his yeah. mind. And then Jerry Lawler is like, are you okay, Mr. McMahon? And then JR makes fun of King and he's like, are you okay, yeah. Mr. McMahon? Mr. McMahon, yeah. yeah. It's so I love good. it when they go at each other. It's great. Um, but yeah, Austin gets the win and then celebrates with Earl Hebner of all people, which is quite cool because then <laughs> Jerry Lawler is like, you know, you should be drinking on the Dude, job. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, the, the end just celebration, the crowd is cheering through the whole thing. Like the main event mm. from the... The Shawn Michaels and Vince McMahon thing to the entrances to the way it ends. The last half an hour of the show feels like kind WrestleMania. And yeah, they go out on a high. The celebration's fun. Austin just hyping up the crowd gets you hyped up. Like it all feels yeah. actually fun. There's also the iconic shot. I didn't, I forgot which pay per view it was, but Austin looks down the hard camera with the title and a beer. He cheers the title cheers. and then looks yeah. at the camera and takes a swig. That'll be in every Austin recap, you know, until he dies or until the WWE stops showing footage of Austin, which won't happen, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so all in all, you're right. This is a pure case of the main event making the show. Uh, and we've seen it can undo a show. Like, what was it? What was the AEW one where they had that fizzle explode? Revolution. <laughs> where it literally like fizzled out at the end. Yeah. Yep. So, so it just gives you so like just how important that main event is that can really like lift a pay view or bring it down in this case. But um, yeah, top to bottom, it's an odd pay view. So let's go through our MVPs. We'll start off with you, Owen. Who do you reckon? Ooh. Um, because it's a hard one because no one really stands out too much. And to be quite br uh, to be quite like frank, it's not really good. Like, there's nothing that sort of goes. Oh well, you know, like. How about Billy Gunn? He really like stole the show. At, at, in times we've been like, oh, X Park, he's he was the real worker of that, but you can't really do that throughout this one. Oh, yeah. And like in in the business as well, like a lot of people are like, oh yeah, you know, 15's my favorite mania, 15's the best mania. Is it just because of the main event though? Because the rest of this show was kind of shit. <laughs> you know? Like it was a pretty average show, as you said. It was just it was weird, but average at best. Um yeah. I think um, actually, yeah, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, this is one of my least favorite WrestleManias of all time. Mm. I'm shocked that anyone says this is a good one or their favorite. It's terrible. The main event is the only thing worth watching. And then yeah. you could even argue Austin and Rock do it better two years later anyway. Not yeah, even absolutely. that. They actually do it better the next month. I'm and more backlash. excited to watch Backlash. The Backlash match is even better than this. Not that this was bad. It was fun. But the next one's right. even better. Yeah. See, I reckon, though, like, for people of our vintage, Simon, like, the reason that they love this one is probably because it's the one that they watched over and over and over again. Why did they watch this over and over? I must have been, a, like, like a real smark <laughs> even back then. I hated <laughs> I hated this nah, show. I but I reckon all the old manias more. I never watched this more than twice in my life. Because I reckon it's because we're... Cause, so here's the thing. So in 1999, I'm, uh, I'm in year nine. So what's what what age are you there? Like 
15. Uh, 14, yeah. 15. Yeah. yeah. So you're 15. This like you're in that, you know, you're, you've done your first two years of high school. This is peak, you know, you're, you're sucking, you're, do, you're doing like giving the sucker to everyone at school. You, you, even though that's doing the, don't try this at home, you're doing rock bottoms and stuff in the playground and stuff like that. And because it was like the next pay for you wouldn't come out on VHS. So if you got it, you'd either like find someone that's recorded for you or you get the two VHSs and you bring your friends around. That's why I reckon for people of like my vintage, we love it so much because it's from that high school era. Mm. Okay. If that's, that's what you want to say, I'll just keep disagreeing. I hate this show <laughs> so much. Um, I remember renting it and hating it even back then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, it, honestly, we're in for back-to-back crap manias. 15 and 16, to me, the two of the worst awful. of all time. Yeah. I remember 16 just being the biggest letdown ever. 17 was the pinnacle, oh, obviously. Yeah. But um, if we're going back to MVPs, I've got to go with the MVP of this show is Vince McMahon. Because it's <laughs> the constant... facial expressions and promos and stuff. It's just he's the... Good, it's, but it's the constant from, from the minute the pay-per-view starts to the end. He's the only constant. Mm. I, I was going to say Steve Austin just for bringing the yeah. crowd back into the show and having a good match and a fun celebration. But look, it's yeah. slim pickings. We're going with the obvious ones. This is true. I, yeah, I didn't even get to say my my oh, yeah. because we were ranting. Um, so in saying that of it being a pretty average review, I'm going to go my more comical route of MVP. My MVP is Billy Gunn's slide into the ring. <laughs> 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 and his Adidas pants. They had some shiny pants. That was yeah, very because they made me. They made me genuinely belly laugh. Very, very big. They're very, very big back in the day. But uh, look, that wraps up WrestleMania nineteen. Or nineteen, sorry, WrestleMania fifteen. Russo Mania, the raging climax. As uh, anyone that follows me is on on socials might have attested to. Also, the first ever WWF DVD that was released, too, which is kind of cool. Um, look, next up in Reliving the War, if you want to catch up on our previous editions, you've got two full years of a backlog of WWF and WCW pay-per-views. You can do so by going to greywolfentertainment.net. Greywolf ENT on the socials is where you can find us. Next up, though, we have got an absolute treat. Spring Stampede 1999. No. Just that groan from Owen basically sums it all up. Uh, Look, it's... No, I was was trying to say, look, it's not really a bad pay-per-view, but I was just like, no, no, it kind of is. It also means I have to try and source a way to find it because they're still not up online anywhere. Uh, If you've got Foxtel on demand, you can check out all the Spring Stampedes. I'll find Uh, it. But uh, but yeah, it's a it's a look. I won't say it's a bad pay per view because we've seen worse. Scotty Riggs, sorry, I just looked at the card. <laughs> I might say, looking at the card, I can't remember the show. I just know the main event's kind of infamous. But I will say, it might be better than WrestleMania. I, I, I actually think it's it's one of the it's one of the WCW uh, it's one of the good WCW pay per views of that era. Okay. Or it could be thinking of slam. optimistic. <laughs> I know. I actually know. I tell a lie. I was thinking of Slamboree 1999, um, mainly because I'm a huge Kevin Nash mark. Um, but look, we'll get to that 
But next up, it is Spring Stampede 1999 uh, for Simon Tackler and Owen Jones. I've been Nims Azor. This has been Reliving the War. We'll catch you next time. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network, greywolfentertainment.net.